Hello and welcome to Mercy Unbound. I'm Dr. Brian Thatcher and in today's interview I get to talk with Kathy Wabick about her ministry on an incident that occurred on her mother's deathbed and praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet for the sick and dying. Don't forget you can watch Mercy Unbound on YouTube or at Dr. Brian B R Y A N Thatcher T H A T C H E R dot com. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound, a series that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. I have with me today a longtime friend, uh, guest Kathy Wabick. Uh, I've known Kathy for nearly 20 years. She's been very much involved in praying for the sick and the dying, uh, particularly at the bedside. This is going to be a little different uh, interview today because we kind of work in parallel uh, praying for the sick and dying. And in the first part of the show today, I just want to tell you, give you a little history of why she's so involved in this and why as Eucharistic apostles were so involved in this. Um, in St. Faustina's diary, uh, the Lord told her that if she prayed the chaplet of divine mercy at the bedside of a dying person, that he would be there as the merciful savior and not as a just judge. Now think about the moment, the hour of your death. As Catholics, for years and years, we've been praying our rosary. Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Other than the moment of your life, death is the most significant point. It's almost as if nothing else between matters. Are you at peace with God? Are you ready to accept his mercy? Faustina had a great love for the dying. She would be bilocated to the bedside of the dying. On one occasion, she was bilocated to the bedside of an elderly man. He was writhing in agony, very anxious. She saw demons at the bedside, ready to take his soul. As she began to pray the chaplet, Jesus appeared just as he is in this image behind me. The demons fled and the man died a peaceful death. On another occasion, she was awakened in the middle of the night by a sister in her congregation who lived 100 kilometers away and said, Sister, pray for me, I'm dying. So she got up and went to the chapel and prayed until she heard in her soul, Sister said, oh, thank you. So with those promises, the question arose, what if I'm not at the bedside? What if I get a phone call that my son in Daytona got in a bad wreck and he's near death? We actually were able to ask the Holy Father, Pope John Paul, back in 1999, and he asked his theologians, and they all said the same thing. In the eternal now, with God, all things are present, and yes, the promises hold. You can pray the chaplet, it doesn't have to be at the bedside. But then he came back and asked us as Eucharistic apostles to pray the chaplet at the bedside I'm sorry, at during Eucharistic adoration in front of Jesus Christ himself, asking for his mercy. And he gave this specially signed papal blessing right before the Jubilee year, which we send out happily to any adoration chapels that want it. The priest okays it. But we want them to pray the Divine Mercy Chapel in front of Jesus during their hour of adoration. 
people often go into adoration wondering what they're going to say. They don't know prayers. They don't, they, you know, just, boy, the time goes so slow. They don't, they don't realize you're in front of Jesus. Just be yourself. But the Holy Father asks us to get people to pray the chaplet during their hour of adoration. So that's kind of what we've been working on for over 20 years. And we have well over probably 12, 1300 adoration chapels around the world. I remember years ago, we had a, uh, I'm sure they're still doing a cloistered convent in India, praying, nuns were just praying all the time for the second dying during adoration. So that's one part of it. <clears throat> so then 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I had, uh, had the opportunity to speak with Kathy over the phone. And she told me a fascinating story of her mother's death. And uh, I pulled this out of the old file back in winter 2009. That's her mother, whose name is Bernadette. And we're doing this interview, taping this interview on the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. And uh, Kathy's going to share with us that experience. And I think that kind of propelled her into this movement of actually praying at the bedside has the additional benefit of being present. So Kathy, welcome again. And I'm so happy to see you. it's been a while, but uh, let's just start off and tell us a little bit about your experience at the time of your mother's death. Okay, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. It has been a while too long, right? <clears throat> um, so yeah, when my mother, um, was actually in a comatose state. A friend of mine gave me the chaplet of divine mercy to play, pray at her bedside. I knew nothing about this prayer, nothing. But she said, that's okay. You just take it and pray. She gave me a little pamphlet. And she said, after you pray the prayer, you can read the pamphlet and learn more about the devotion. So we did, we prayed the chaplet at her bedside when she came out of her comatose state. And she spoke for three hours, but as she spoke, she made sure that we were writing everything down on a piece of paper, everything that she had seen. And she had seen these amazing, beautiful visions of heaven. Um, you know, a gate that she was going to be going through um, with the words glory and praise above the gate. She said that um, she saw Our Lady and she saw Jesus and she had seen some family members who had passed away. Uh, she had heard beautiful music, music that she'd never heard here on earth. Um, and it took her three hours because she was, she came from a comatose state to fully awake. So she was really weak and we had to keep swabbing her mouth so she could talk. Um, but she kept looking over and making sure, is this being written down? And we said, yes, mom, we're writing all of this down. So she spoke for three hours. And then she passed away very beautifully, very quietly, she passed away. So we took all of these visions to, to a priest and said, what is the reason? Like, why did she tell us to write this down? There must be a purpose. So the priest that worked with me, um, God rest his soul, Father Nugent, uh, he's a saint. Um, he had said, there's absolutely a purpose. And I said, great, tell me, what is it? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to work together and God will reveal the purpose, the reason that your mother wanted all of this written down, the urgency of what she saw to be on paper and what you are to do with this to come in the future. 
So we prayed and, and I felt, let's start perpetual adoration in our parish, which we did. Um, and that's how I met you, Brian, because we wrote for the papal blessing. And um, when we had the adoration, there was one hour that we couldn't fill. And so we made that an hour that we would pray the chaplet of divine mercy for the sick and dying. When one time during that hour, we felt the call, why don't we take this to the bedside? Like we're here praying in adoration, but what if, you know, we took this to actual bedside of parishioners who were dying. So we started advertising and we were getting calls almost like every other day of the week. We were getting calls from people all through the diocese of Buffalo. So we were traveling all through our diocese of Buffalo, visit, visiting the sick and dying. And then we thought, you know, maybe we should visit these parishes and have them start their own um, ministry in their parish to visit their own parishioners who are dying. So we started helping um, parishes start their own ministry to the sick and dying, which many in Buffalo are still going today. Um, we've been doing this for tw over 20 years, but in 2015, the ministry was blessed with 20 acres of property. So now we have a chapel that seats 80 people. Um, we have the Eucharist, we have the Mother of Mercy House, which is a conference room. And so we do go to the bedside of the sick when we're called, but people come here to the Mother of Mercy House and we pray with them here as well. Um, so we are open to the public one day a week, but now since COVID, everything has changed. Um, but, but it took a few years of discerning with a very holy priest, what was God's plan with praying this chaplet at my mother's bedside and her giving the grace, given the grace to communicate to us where she was going and the, and the beautiful graces from praying the chaplet for her. So, so that took a little bit of discernment, but through the years of starting this ministry, we started with just 12 people. They were 12 of us for many, many years going to the bedside. And now we're up to 35 ministers um, and about 70 friends of the Holy Face who pray as well. And almost 90 adorers of the Holy Face and the adorers of the Holy Face are from all over the world. And so when, when we get the name of somebody who's dying, we contact the adorers and they immediately start praying for that person as well. So our ministry has grown from 12 to, it's just blossomed um, because the urgency of praying for the sick and dying. Um, but what I wanted to mention um, with COVID is, you know, our, we had to close the Mother of Mercy house during COVID. We partially reopened now um, but what we started doing is reaching out to the sick through FaceTime um, or through Zoom. And we've done this already where, you know, the, the loved one will connect uh, or the person seeking prayer will connect with us through Zoom and we can pray the chaplet with them. So we can actually take this chaplet to the bedside through FaceTime, which is so powerful. So we're, we're trying to spread that now because it's urgent to still get to the bad side of the sick. You know, <clears throat> that being present adds a, a new dimension, doesn't it? 
It does. It does. Because in our society, we, we have everything materialistically, but people aren't really present as much these days, are they? Uh, no, they're not. They're not. Um, but the one thing we've learned through all the years of, of visiting the sick and dying is early on, we were in a formation program. St. John of the Cross used to visit uh, men who were dying um, of syphilis. And, and people would go by him and say, Father, how can you sit here and take this? They're in so much pain and you can sit and pray with the sick and you can bear it. And he said, the way that I can do this is twofold. I work on my prayer life and I work on my spiritual growth. And when we heard that, we thought that's the key. We must work on our prayer life, building our prayer life, a strong prayer life. And we have to continuously work on our spiritual growth. So we are a, a private lay association of the faithful in the Diocese of Buffalo. Um, but we are in constant formation. So we meet here at the Mother of Mercy House twice a month so that we can work on these two things. But the one thing I wanted to mention, I've had some groups around the country contact us saying, we've tried to start this ministry and it just doesn't work. Like for some reason, the people say they can't do it. Um, and my suggestion, suggestion is to them to get into some sort of formation program. The ministers have to constantly support each other um, and they have to be working on their own prayer life and their own spiritual growth to make, so they can be strong. So God can give them the grace to, to, you know, to take, to pray at the bedside of the sick and dying, because it's not an easy thing to do. You know, even in our prayer groups, the cynicals of divine mercy, um, that's an important aspect that we don't want people the first week, they all excited to get into the learning and going through the diary of Faustina and the scripture and the catechism and our formation program as Eucharistic apostles of divine mercy. But they, they want to naturally to get out that first week and start feeding the hungry and, you know, doing works of mercy, but say, no, no, slow this down. Um, at least get six months under your belt because you will burn out and it, yeah. ministry is hard work and you have to have that solid foundation. I totally agree with you. Now, Kathy, I don't think we mentioned, what's the name of the ministry officially? So we, our name is Disciples of Divine Mercy in the Holy Face of Jesus. But we use Holy Face, F-A-C-E, <laughs> ministry for short. Um, but our official name is Disciples of Divine Mercy in the Holy Face of Jesus. And really, this ministry could be used in other dioceses. They would just need to perhaps talk to their priest and maybe eventually their bishop. But um, and, and, you know, perhaps they could get a hold of you uh, through the website, which is tell, give us your website, if you would. Um, so, so our whole our website is holyfaceministry.com and they can go there and they can get more information about what we do. Um, and they can also contact us through email or they could call our office and we can return their call and give them more information. Um, the other thing that's important too is um, when you go to the bedside of the sick and dying, it's really important to have prayer support. Um, we go two at a time. So so when two are going to the bedside, the rest of the ministry is praying. They know the first name of the person that we are visiting. They know where we're going. 
they know what time we're going. And so they join us in prayer from where, wherever they are, from their homes, adoration chapels, if they're at work, they know the time that they can join us in praying the chaplet from wherever they are, because we need their prayer support. We need, we need their prayers right, right. to do what we're doing. Kathy, is the book at the bedside uh, available through your website or, or not? Um, we have them, and, but I think they can get them through the Marian Fathers as well. Okay. Because that's Marian, M-A-R-I-A-N, Marian.org. But uh, years ago, Kathy and I uh, co-authored this together at the bedside of the sick and dying. And maybe we can just spend some time going through that because you obviously don't walk into a room with an infant who's dying the same uh, approach as uh, a 90-year-old man. I mean, there's different situations and the family dynamics. And can you wipe maybe just walk us through some of those situations and how, how things are approached. Yeah. So we, so we try to make sure we do not spend a lot of time at the bedside because the person is sick, the family's there, they're tired. So um, we come in and first of all, when we get the call to come, because we have to be invited to go, we make sure that the person has been anointed. And that's the first question we ask, has a priest visited your loved one? And I can't tell you the times, very holy families have forgotten to call a priest. In the confusion of everything, I forgot, thank you so much. And then they have the person anointed because we want to make sure that they know that this chaplet of divine mercy does not take the place of the anointing of the sick. This is not a sacrament. So we always make sure that they've been anointed. And then we come and pray. When we go to the bedside of, there's two of us. So one minister will go to the person who is sick and address them. The other minister will go to the family so that the family is talked to and the loved one is talked to. Nobody is ignored. When we walk in, it's a tag team. One goes to speak to the person who's dying. The other talks to the family. If they don't know anything about the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, we educate them briefly. We always take a packet with us that has a, a booklet that explain, explains the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, a prayer card, one for each so that they can join us in prayer, a couple rosaries in case they don't have them in the room, holy water, things like that. Um, briefly, very briefly, uh, inform them the power of praying the Chaplet for their loved one. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned the uh, sacrament of the anointing of the sick because there's also the apostolic pardon where the priest basically, yes. you know, people, it's like, well, it is going to confession even if the person is comatose or can't speak, they get complete absolution of their sins and, and punishment due. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful healing sacrament. And uh, yeah, we, we really need to get We have out. this in the book. The apostolic yeah. pardon is in our book. It's in the back of the book because I've had people contact me saying, where can I get the apostolic uh, pardon, apostolic blessing? And um, yes, I think it's on page 75 of our book. So um, I've given it to people and said, just get a priest to come and, you know, and pray that, that blessing because uh, it's so powerful. You know, one of my favorite quotes out of the diary is 1698 when dealing with um, a comatose person because we as humans see things through our spiritual eyes and we 
look at that person and say, oh, they lived a rough life and they didn't have a chance to convert and this and that. But Faustina wrote, um, God's mercy sometimes touches the sinner at the last moment in a mysterious and wondrous way. Outwardly, it seems as if everything is lost, but it is not so. The soul illumined by a ray, that always hit me, a ray. Because when you look at the image, you see all these rays coming out and the soul was hit by one ray of God's powerful final uh, mercy. It turns to God in the last moment with such a power of love that in an instant it receives from God forgiveness of sin and punishment. While outwardly it shows no signs of either repentance or contrition. Oh, how beyond comprehension is God's mercy. Now, again, souls have a free will, but I think of uh, love, we say God is love. And we just have to think of one instant in our life where we felt loved. How could we turn away from God who is love himself? And, uh, you know, you mentioned the comatose patient, and, and that is one thing we do speak to the comatose patient because they possibly can hear us. So even though they're in a coma, we do, we do address them. We speak to them and tell them that we're there to pray a very special prayer, that they will be hearing us. We'll be praying quietly. We won't be long. Um, going back to going to the bedside of an infant, that was very difficult for us in the beginning to pray with an infant uh, who was sick or even dying. But we have found that we go with very few words, that we go to pray with the family, asking for a miracle, but telling the family that God is right here with you, you're not alone. And we weep with the family because tears are a form of prayer, very powerful form of prayer. And we never try to counsel because that's not our job. We're not trained, we're right. not counselors, we're prayer warriors. So we, we go there to be, to be present with them. Um, one time we were praying at the bedside of someone who was dying. And one of the ministers had this interlocution, which is like a mystical experience of having knowledge of maybe our Lord's presence in the room. And the way she explained it to us was that our Lord, uh, in the beginning of the chaplet, Jesus entered the room and went right to the bedside of the dying person and got down on his knees. And the entire chaplet he was taking all of the prayers of the people in the room, uniting them to his, because our prayers are imperfect. His, is, his prayers are perfect, right? So he was taking all of our prayers, uniting them to his prayers, perfecting them, uniting them. And when we said, holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, he, he was gone to the father. And so when we explain, explain this to a priest, he said, that's exactly what is happening during the chaplet. Eternal father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity. You know, you're praying to God, the father, Jesus is right in the room, um, taking your prayers, uniting them with his and, and taking them to God, the father. So we always, when we come to the bedside of, of a loved one, we tell the family and that person, when we begin this prayer, Jesus Christ himself will be here for you. It's such a powerful, and people weep when they hear that. He will enter the room. He will be with us. And then he will go to God the Father with all of our prayers on your behalf. 
How powerful is that, Brian? You like know, it's so powerful. Over the years, I've had people call and tell me people who prayed to chaplain at the bedside and the family felt such peace. And, uh, and I'd like to remind people, you know, since 1999, we've been praying the chaplet during adoration for the sick and dying and the promises hold and people yeah. don't even know it, but there were people praying around all around the world for their loved one that died. And um, I'm reminded of a quote in the diary. Uh, St. Faustina was coming back from adoration one night and she's walking and it's evening, it's dark. And all of a sudden this big pack of ugly black dogs are you know, ready to attack her. And they said, we're gonna chew you to pieces because you saved souls tonight praying in adoration. And she said, well, if that's the will of the merciful savior, then so be it. Uh, but God is with me. And they all said in unison, we must depart this place for she is not alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like you said, that's a key element that people can find some solace in this terrible, difficult time. They're not alone because many times when we're suffering, we think, where is God? Right. But that he is right there. Uh, and we just need with to them. see with our eyes of faith and not with our impaired human vision. Right. What other uh, types of experiences have you had or dealing with different situations uh, have you encountered in all these years? Yeah, well, well we've encountered so many. Um, one time we were called to pray uh, with a person who, was, um, who had liver cancer. And the, the, this person was away from was away from the Catholic faith. So the wife had called us and asked if we could pray uh, with her husband, but that he was away from the church. So please do not push the faith on him. Just come and pray the chaplet. That's all I want. And so we did, you know, we, we came into their home and uh, we prayed the chaplet. Um, very little communication. <laughs> we prayed and we left. We did exactly what she requested that we do. <clears throat> One year later, we got a call from her almost to the date one year later. Could we come and pray? Her husband had only hours to live. Um, his, his last wish was that we come back and pray. So this time we don't want only two to come. We want the whole ministry there. We want everybody. So we all went together. At that time, it was only 12 of us, but we all went. And she proceeded to tell us he was in a coma that in one year, not only did he come back to the church, but he was a daily communicant. He prayed the chaplet every day. He prayed a full rosary every day. And he taught everybody that he came into contact with how to pray the chaplet, how to pray the rosary. And on his tombstone was going to be the image of divine mercy. Mm. So the miracle of the chaplet wasn't the cure of cancer. It was his salvation. And I think that's the greatest miracle of all, right? right? It's his yeah. salvation. So a lot of times, you know, when you go and pray, you know, you may be praying for healing from cancer or God may have another plan for that healing, right? But so when we, we think about it, we, if I had my druthers, I'd rather have eternally healing rather than if I'm going to exactly. live 80 and maybe two more years, you know, time goes by so fast. We're here just a short time. We're just pilgrims on earth. And well, right. we have to keep our 
eye on is the finish line and eternal life and that man found it so that was the best biggest right. gift uh, he ever could get you know and one other story we i have is um we always take an image of the divine mercy with us and we leave it in in the hospital room or hospice or wherever we're visiting and um it was somebody who was in a coma and it was intensive care when we enter intensive care we always ask for the nurse in charge of that patient so we can get instructions um, can we touch that patient? Can we touch her arm? Can we touch her leg? Should we not? You know, we, we always ask the nurse in charge of that person, what can we do? What should we not do? Um, and at that time they said, you know, do, do not touch her. And I said, well, can I take this image of divine mercy and place it on her bed? And they said, absolutely, that you can do. So before we prayed the chaplet, we set the image down small image, just a picture size, a card of three by five on her bed and her body shook. And so the alarms went off and the nurse came and I said, we, we did not touch her. <laughs> we, I just put this image on her bed. That's, and she said, okay, well, everything looks good. Go ahead. So we, we prayed very quietly, prayed the chaplet. And when we wanted to leave, um, I took the image card off her bed to go put it on her nightstand and her body shook again. And the nurse came in, all the bells and whistles went off. And I said, we did not touch her. I just lifted this prayer card and put it on her, on her uh, dresser. And they said, well, everything looks fine. It's fine. By the time we got home, the woman was out of her coma. And that night, because we'd visit her in the morning, we had got word she was sitting up in a chair. So it was through the image. And I know placing that image on her bed, grace has happened. Like our Lord healed her. So it, it's, it's so important to try to get to the bedside of the sick. I know during COVID it's hard. But, but you've got, like you said, Zoom and FaceTime and people just need right. to hear even a human voice. And if you are able to be at the bedside when this COVID settled down, it, it may be just being two feet away and they see a, another live person, you know, the human element is so important. It is, uh, it is. And I think of Jesus here behind me in this image, you know, he said, I'll be offering uh, many graces through this image. So let every soul have access to it. We, we visited bedsides who had had the image in their room who have told us when we were there that the rays were moving, hmm. that they could see them. You know, the red and, and pale rays were actually flowing from the image. You know, oh. just getting back for a second on formation, the, the booklet um, at the bedside of the sick and dying, um, the code on it available through Marian, M-A-R-I-N.org is uh, PMBK. But that's a good start, I think, for people, uh, because you do talk about all the different situations in there, uh, dealing with different people. And, and the other reality is you, you got to be prayed up and you got to realize you're not just dealing with the dying person, you're dealing with families. Exactly. And families may be away from the church. And they may be fighting, you know, and, uh, you know, that's a whole nother area you got to be prayed up for. If you run into that situation, be ready for that. Yeah. Be ready for that. You know, yeah. siblings can't be in the room together because they're not speaking to each other. So, you know, who's in the room while you're praying? 
who has to leave. It's yeah, there's situations that, you know, but it's really important. We, we always try to pray before we go. We try to get into adoration before we go to the bedside. I think that's important, even if it's just 10 minutes, get into an adoration chapel, get before our Lord before you visit the bedside so that you have that protection and the Holy Spirit's with you. We always pray before we enter the room, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, be our guide. Um, you know, let everything we say come from you. It, it, it's just so important to place everything into God's hands when you enter that room. And the Lord in his diary, you know, as a human, you know, you hear sometimes people say, oh, get off your knees. You're not doing anything. You're just praying. But the Lord even said to Faustina how powerful prayer was. And it's even more important than having storehouses built up of works of mercy of the corporal kind. But the spiritual work of mercy is is powerful as well. And, and uh, right. prayer, even in uh, Teresa of Avila in the interior castle, she talks about one's journey of a soul to God. And our body is like the outer castle. And, you know, in the initial first stage, you know, there's these uh, crocodiles and snakes and everything walking in and out the first layer and the darkness of the world. And the person's just starting a spiritual journey, but she, she said the way to advance into the deeper castles is through prayer. And uh, mm -hmm. that's why you've been so successful, I think, with formation. And it'd be great yeah. if people see this and they can uh, talk to their pastor in different dioceses. And, and perhaps down the road, we can even develop some sort of formation that they can guide them. But they'd have to start their own, you know, association or in get their, their own, own parish. Right bishops right. approval because you're you're situated in your own diocese there in buffalo right but, um, certainly it's right i think it'd be relatively um, easy to get going but um in our ministry now during covid we meet every day on zoom to pray yeah. uh, for holy hour so our prayers continuing on a daily basis so even if we can't get to the beds of the sick and dying we can still pray from wherever we are right sure and faustina did so if you can't get to the bedside, the, the power of the chaplet still applies to that person that you're praying for. You know, this year of St. Joseph, um, one of my favorite prayers as a child was, may I die like you, St. Joseph, in the arms of Jesus and Mary. And you think about that, wow, wouldn't that be awesome? You know, yeah. the hour of our last breath, the minute of our last breath of life, Jesus and Mary are right there. We know where Jesus is, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, the angels. What an awesome. And um, death is a transition. It's a, it's a journey to the next. And um, what you're doing is just so powerful. And I just commend you on it. And, uh, but again, uh, people can get this book through Marion.org and uh, we have our cynical program of divine mercy. They can always contact uh, me here at uh, info at dr for dr drbrianthatcher.com. We have our prayer cynicals. We have other things we can help assist them. And uh, maybe down the road, we can get back together and put something together to help them in, a, in a, an additional way. But um, just keep up the good work up there in Buffalo. And uh, thank you. You too. You've, you've had an exciting journey here. Uh, especially kicked off with your mother's own, own death. So. Yeah, please pray for us. It's not easy. <laughs> it's hard work. It's hard but work. But prayer makes us strong. Our Lord graces us with 
so many miracles. It's just truly amazing when you place all of this into his hands, you know, he provides, right? Right. Well, keep it up. And uh, people, I encourage you Thank to you. get into the Diary of St. Faustina. It's a, a book written by a nun with only two winters of education, but it's a, a powerful journey, her journey uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a Eucharistic message, uh, the Blessed Mother's in it. And uh, it, it's just, uh, as we say, this divine mercy message, Kathy, which you're living, you know, some people think it's the chaplet. Some people think it's the image. Some people think it's the feast day, but we, we say it's a spirituality. It's a way of looking at life and handling life's difficult situations. And um, that Jesus, I trust in you, you know, that's what you're trying to help people realize. Let him be the anchor. And uh, so you're doing great work and people, uh, thank you for joining me today. I've had Kathy Wabick uh, in a beautiful ministry for the uh, sick and the dying. God bless all of you, and uh, let us keep each other in prayer. And thanks again, Kathy. Thank you, Brian. God bless.